Welcome to episode 96 of Friends of Film, a podcast that has new news and theatrical releases. On this episode, we'll cover Lion King's full cast, Thanos stealing Infinity Stones, Star Wars isn't ending, and more. After you view Thor Ragnarok, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again, Joe man anxiously awaiting next Thanksgiving, Josh Straley. That's right. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, we still have this year's, but next year's. Creed 2. That's right. Whew. I'm excited. Absolutely. Three years after the first one. Mm-hmm. We still don't have Ryan Coogler involved in any ways, but I mean, it's Creed 2. Yeah. I mean, Coog- does Coogler have any projects that's going to keep him from that? Maybe at least like EPing? Um, I mean, I know. I mean, I know he's, I mean, he obviously has Black Panther right. coming out early next year, and the word on the street is that that Creed 2 starts shooting at the beginning of next year as well, so uh, he clearly won't be able to be on set or anything at the beginning portions, but. Um, I think that the only thing I think he has, he has some, uh, like school system test, uh, movie mm-hmm. with Michael B. Jordan, but that's clearly not going at the same time. So he'd right. probably just be working on the script or something. Sure. Um, so I'm sure I, I mean, I hope again, we're, yeah. we, we just keep hoping that he's involved in some capacity, but, but good news off the top. Absolutely. And even more good news. We have a new Marvel movie to review. As I mentioned, we are going to review Thor Ragnarok this week, the 17th mcu movie mm-hmm. and uh it's a doozy and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it finally That's... uh we will definitely be getting into spoilers because there's some big stuff that happens in this movie as typical with any major blockbuster especially these superhero movies um thankfully it is my start it is so uh Get i will there. begin by just saying this is just a fun movie like, I know that's the cliche term to use with Marvel movies. Oh, Marvel movies are just so much fun. They're just, that's all they are. They're fun. They're not dark and gritty and grounded and real. Yeah. Like other big franchises, it's just Marvel cares about being fun and funny and fun and funny. And that's all they care about. And to a certain degree, maybe. But Kevin Feige, I thought, had a really great response in the last week or so when somebody asked him about that criticism that, you know, Marvel movies are all kind of the same, lighter tone, and he's like, well, you know, our movies are kind of different, but if people are coming out of them saying they had a fun time, if that's the biggest criticism of our movies, <laughs> then I'll take it. And I absolutely agree with him. I think Taika Waititi did an excellent job with this movie, totally. and I thought he was exactly what Thor needed, even though I still like the first Thor movie quite a bit. Uh, this just brought in and kind of... If this one is the one that felt like a Thor movie, what it should be, what it should feel like in the MCU, especially in a post Guardians universe where we see yeah. James Gunn establish the bright, fun colors of the cosmic uh, realm, we now get to see Thor interact with those, go to really cool worlds like Sakaar, and you know play with all that stuff. Yeah, it's like they they totally. They finally eschewed the last remnants of like Iron Man's mm-hmm. style and totally adopted, yeah, loony and fun. Exactly, and I mean, not only was the the color palette pleasing to the eye that mm-hmm. Taika Waititi brought, but uh, the comedy that that's yeah. big, that's a oh, big yeah. point at Taika Waititi. If you've seen any of his other movies, you know that this guy's going to make you laugh, and uh, it definitely does. Thor Ragnarok is filled with jokes. Uh, I've seen the movie twice, so maybe they stick to my mind a little better because I've seen it multiple times already. But there are there are some jokes that are some of the funniest stuff we've seen in the MCU. And I think, you know, in our preview episode, I mentioned I think this could be the best comedy of the year. And I think so far it, it, it would hold up to that standard. Oh, yeah. Um, I do think it gets 
so comedic at points. It wasn't overly funny like I thought Guardians was, where Guardians 2 was um, throwing jokes out at very serious moments that took away from that seriousness. This one is always very light and fun, um, but there were a couple callbacks to jokes that happened previously or jokes lasted a little too long that you know you could you could cut those out, but those are so, such minor points that they didn't really Ragnarok or yeah, Guardians? Yeah, Ragnarok. Oh, okay. Like there's one that happens near the end of the movie that's a callback to the escape um, from Sakaar, and I was like, uh, that... That didn't need to be there. Uh, it's the it's the get help callback. Oh, so I, was like, no, eh. okay. I was like, you get it. I mean, it was like a, it was like a <laughs> two second thing. But I, I mean, I I maybe smiled a little bit, but yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a big crowd pleaser. Uh, at least in the theater I saw it in. Right. Um, but I mean, outside of the comedy, because there's, there's a lot of that, and we can mm-hmm. kind of get into the best jokes once we get into spoilers and stuff. Oh, please. Um, the characters of this movie are also almost perfectly done in almost every instance. Mm-hmm. I think we get to see a new take on Thor, which is great. We got to see Chris Hemsworth have fun with the role, even though he's had fun before, but this one is just like, he's jokey. He's lighthearted. He gets to kind of fully realize what Thor is. Yeah. He's not, he's not Hamlet anymore. Exactly. And I, I think I texted you like midweek and I was like, I didn't know Kenneth Branagh mm-hmm. did Thor. And did you do Thor two too? He did not do Thor two. That okay. was Thor two was Alan Taylor. All right. But yeah, anyway, that whole idea of it being like a play mm-hmm. was like t- it was completely gone. Yeah. Um, and we also, I mean, we got Tom Hiddleston back as Loki, mm-hmm. which was uh, refreshing to see him back. I mean, we haven't seen him in four years in the role. So to see him back, uh, he gets a really great intro when he finally comes into the movie. It's true. But he also, I really loved the arc that they gave Loki in this movie building off of what happened in the first Thor Avengers and Thor two. It's a really nice arc. And I'm really, really interested to see where it goes in infinity war. Cause is he, you know, going to side with Thanos He's going to side with Thor and the Avengers. We don't know. Um, but I'm absolutely looking forward to finding that out. Hulk was a blast. He's like a younger brother to Thor pouting yeah. around, being a little grumpy, but also being playful and uh, just kind of lovable in certain instances. Valkyrie, Tessa Thompson, uh, was great. I mean, she oh, described. Yes. I think. I think it was she who described herself in an earlier interview as like the Han Solo of this movie, and she kind of fits that bill. She's our introduction to her. She's just like drinking. She falls mm-hmm. off her ship. It's <laughs> yeah. like ah, this is. I love. I love her that already. Um, and she's just like she kicks a lot of butt. She has a great hand to hand fight sequence with Loki. That's I mean, one of my favorite moments in the movie. But in terms of the real standouts. One of them's Jeff Goldblum. He oh, is. This is the please. most Goldblum role of all time, and it made me just have so much love for Jeff Goldblum, just in, infused into me instantly. That like I was like, oh, this is just Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum, and I love it. I can't wait to see more of the Grandmaster. Hopefully, uh, I mean everything about him was just great. The Willy Wonka type entrance to Sakaar where they, oh, play, yeah. they play the Willy <laughs> yeah. Wonka theme. Come and, with me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, like so we good. get to see him like, you know, he, he's just so like awkwardly creepy and like kind of funny that it, I just loved every second of it. But the real, you know, scene stealer was Korg voiced by Taika Waititi. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. every single moment, I mean, his first five minute introduction. I mean, I was pretty much laughing throughout the entire thing. Cause he just, <laughs> It's not even that he's cracking, you know, yeah. jokes like, "Hey, I'm trying to be funny." It's just like everything he's saying is like, mm-hmm. "That's just that's that's just funny." I mean, yeah. that, I think that's 
almost the strength of the movie that is, even in a Taika Waititi directed movie, Taika Waititi, the actor, is the best part of it almost. Uh, it's kind of incredible. There's yeah. great cameos. Kate uh, Blanchett was really good as oh, Hela. Mm-hmm. I think she's one of... Um, she gives one of the best performances, I think, by an MCU villain. I think she's she she kind of she hams it up. She is totally in there and is like, I'm just gonna have fun, mm-hmm. and she absolutely does. But there's also great twists and turns with her character. But she was also a little underserved. I wish she had a little more to do because uh, she her arc is very simple, and what she does in the movie is yeah. actually kind of little. Missed a little bit of closure with her and Odin. Because they have yeah, like a rap part yeah. that's not there. That's um, kind of sad. There's also a couple other characters that were included that I felt were a little wasted. Okay. Um, but we can get to those people in spoilers. Yeah. I thought the Thor versus Hulk fight, which is a big selling point in the marketing, mm-hmm. was excellent. Lived up yeah. to the hype. It was great. It, great action, but it also, uh, again, a lot of great comedy beats that <laughs> callbacks <Yeah>. to <laughs> Avengers or Avengers Age of Ultron that uh, really, really played well. I think I was surprised that Taika Waititi actually included a lot of references to previous Marvel things, even though some of them were poking fun at other Marvel movies. He still just included a lot of that carryover and the um, the canon parts of the MCU, which mm-hmm. I was not expecting him to just be like, oh, this is just not part of the MCU kind of, but yeah. I didn't expect him to really hone in on those. And maybe that wasn't him specifically. And that was more Kevin Feige saying, hey, what if we have a reference to you know this movie here and he's like okay sure we can do that and make it funny um so i I really loved all that stuff even though uh and in doing so it retcons some mcu material but in a very (laughs) very smart way really uh which we can get into and suppose well i think it's the best thor movie super enjoyable you have to see it in imax i think that's the best way to see it and hear it because the uh score is uh, excellent as well. Phenomenal. Um, Matthew Mark, Mother's Bra. Mark, yeah, Mark Mother's Bar or whatever. Uh, Mark, The guy yes. from Devo. Um, I think it's possibly Marvel's most rewatchable movie just because of the fun factor of the jokes, but also the action. I think it's that and like Guardians would probably be up there. And I mean, Avengers and I mean, there's a lot of really good rewatchable movies that Marvel's put out. Um, but because of some of the issues I had with the villain with some of the supporting characters. Um, I thought I was going to like it a little more than I did, but it's still super enjoyable in the top tier ish of Marvel movies. I'm going to give it four ticket stubs out of five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, uh, on the note of the soundtrack, it sound, it felt like Blade Runners, uh, Vangelis. Yeah, It, it was, it was that good. And it was the, it was the most different soundtrack that Marvel has had in a film. And Absolutely. I appreciated that so much. It, it kept with that uh, 80s vibe. Mm-hmm. I'd just done my watch of Stranger Things. So oh, yeah. all of those all of those tones and those notes were, you know, uh, just they stood out to me during the whole thing. But yeah, um, Thor Ragnarok is finally a comic book movie. <laughs> Everything else has been an attempt to... Built to create a grounded superhero movie, and they've been shying away from it. Like mm-hmm. Iron Man's the base, yes, and Avengers was the was the pinnacle of grounded superhero movies, but still tells a superhero story. Okay, Guardians of the Galaxy was the first step away from it. Mm-hmm. This right here, this was what I lo- opening of a Marvel comic book was like: wit and hilarity mm-hmm. strewn throughout, and in the middle. 
just fantastic set action pieces. And Taika Waititi was, I mean, is the was the guy to get that done, along with you know the Marvel movie machine, you know, that support structure to make sure that these these scenes look like they you know should be painted and then placed in like museum arts. I'm thinking of right. Thor. Uh, charging with lightning into that group of uh, like that pot dog pile of oh, skeleton yeah. monsters, mm-hmm. like so cool. And everything about this is kind of like a like a metal song. Oh yeah, absolutely. brought to life. They have Led Zeppelin. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, from the opening scenes uh, with the fight from Surtur mm-hmm. and like uh, so on and so forth. Um, but like I yeah, it you brought Taika to my attention last year. Sure, mid. Mid June, July. Yeah, that's about when Hunter Hunt for the Wilder People came out. Right, yeah. and I pick. I did what we do in the shadows. Thought it was terrific, mm-hmm. and then caught Hunt for the Wilder People, and that's when it really shown just how like brilliant of a comedy guy he is. Mm-hmm. And then like, but in an improv and just all sorts of those things, and then to see him bring it to here with a list actors and a budget that you know has that can support all of his ideas is just freaking amazing um storyline fine nothing special Mm -hmm. but it i found myself watching it and saying all right well these these action scenes these major plot points i really don't care about these like, when are we going to get back to my characters? When are we going right. to get back to uh, just, like, I, I want to see Bruce Banner talk to Thor. I want to see Hulk and Thor again. I want to see t- uh, Valkyrie, mm-hmm. you know, back talking with Thor, with Hiddleston. And I was just like, I was waiting for those moments and dreading anything to do with the film. And that's when I, that's when you got a hit on your hands. Because when the action's going, I know I'm going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But when I'm dying to see these characters together again, I'm like, I just like, yeah, that's like you said, the rewatchability here is just, uh, one of, it's probably one of their best. Um, like my man, Sir Anthony Hopkins doesn't have much to do, but the stuff he's in is terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, his early, his early stuff, even though he's technically Loki, oh, his, I think is it his first line when Thor arrives? <laughs> yeah, it is when he's just like, "Oh, yeah." Beep. I was like, oh, I, "I laugh every time." Or like when he's he's oh he's commenting on the play, and he's like, "Those were all Thor's like yeah bemoaning the because the death of Loki because it's been turned into a play yeah. that doesn't resemble at all how it all goes out." And he's Loki or you know Hopkins is just kind of like laughing his way through the whole thing, and it was just so funny to see him not be stern mm-hmm. and be totally jolly. And like Sir Anthony Hopkins has always been an English Santa Claus, and it was great to finally you know see him out there. Uh, Carl Urban's executor, fantastic. His his introduction oh. is so funny, and I yeah. that is so that, is, that was such a witty thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what his liberties with the script were or how they all laid out. But just hilarious. I mean, he successfully pulled off a joke in 2017 that references a product that was made in like 2011. <laughs> I don't want to spoil what product it is because it was so funny, but the usage was incredible. Oh, yeah. And then his, uh, his M16s, <laughs> Death oh, <yeah>. and Troy. <laughs> Which I was like, is that a – because he, he's like, they're from Texas. So he's like, uh, he's like, Des and Troy. I was like, okay. I was like, 
The second time I was like, Des Bryant, Troy Aikman? Is this like a Cowboys reference? Yeah. Probably not. Right. Because he's like, when they're, when they're put together, it's destroy. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> that's great. He, he was he, he was perfect. He did. He went from comedy to dark excellently. Kate Blanchett, uh, you can't say enough about her. Um, uh, I was reading in GQ that she like just wanted to work with Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. Like, he was the selling point to get her on board. And her... Her villain, her villain is top notch. Like mm-hmm. you can, you can sense the evil, but also you can sense just like this Loki playfulness with it all, only with a very dark edge to it. Not mischievous, but just the goddess of death. Yeah. And throughout everything, uh, there's that, and she's just earnestly evil. If that's even like you know a phrase <laughs> right. to like drop. Um, but yeah, you you already mentioned Korg and Tessa Thompson, which are the are the two standouts. Uh, Tessa Thompson's like so she's not fr- she's freewheeling in the sense like you, you almost thought she would be a little bit more brooding mm-hmm. but like you know she's like she's, she's like drunk half the movie if you will and as God can even yeah. as Guardian can even be drunk uh, and it just makes for some hilarious stuff especially in the apartment where her and Banner are like we know each other right oh, and yeah. they just couldn't <laughs> figure it out like the whole time <laughs> um, but yeah that said Story is great. Oh, it's nothing special, but mm-hmm. I do like that it it doesn't apply much gravitas to it. Sure. Actually, we you know what happens. We'll get that to that in spoilers. Um, and then, of course, the oh, that yeah, that's really it. Story <laughs> was just bland. Everything else was terrific. Uh, I just I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to give it four and a half out of five tickets. Okay. There we go. Yeah. So let's get into spoilers here. So if you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, uh, skip ahead to the news. You can see the timestamp in the description of this episode because we're going to spoil some stuff. And I'm going to start with something that is, I mean, it's a spoiler. It's not the the biggest spoiler in the world because it doesn't really have that much impact on the movie or any of the characters. I mean, it has impact on some specific characters, but not Mm -hmm. the characters at large. Um, and it was one of those things that kind of bothered me that kind of felt like oh. um, that Taika Titi and like he did this purposely. He's like, I, I wanted this to be almost a reboot of Thor. And I appreciate it because it seems like he sent Thor on a really cool brand new direction. Yeah. But he also like he didn't I don't want to say he didn't retcon anything, but he like destroyed almost the previous th- two Thor movies. OK. And the fact that Hela arrives at Asgard and it's just like full stack. You get a sword in the chest, Fandral, you get a sword in the chest, and you're just like, two dudes dead instantly. And you're like, I, I had like a moving half of these guys, and they're just like dead, like in two seconds. And then we get, and like, Hogan, of all people, is actually the one that like uh, ha- makes it the longest. Actually, it's to fight Hela, but mm-hmm. he still dies. And the only reason Sif is the only person that of the Lady Sif and Warriors 3 group that is makes out alive in this movie is because she's not in it because Jamie Alexander's busy doing blind spawn. She couldn't work out the scheduling. So yeah. like, I was like, why Are you? Why kill them that simply and that easily? It felt like in um, uh, Revenge of the Sith when Palpatine just like kills like all four of those Jedi Knights in like two seconds. They're like, oh, you're one of those people. It's just like, you guys should, should be able to handle yourselves a little bit. And like, I get it was no moment of surprise. It's not as terrible. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I mean, there are characters that people who really care about the MCU have, have some sort of connection with. And I didn't love that. They were just so unceremoniously killed off and forgotten about. 
um, in that way. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, I'm I'm on the I'm totally not with you at all okay. because you're yeah because you're one of those people that are like Kate Fisto was the coolest guy <laughs> ever. No, like, not Kate not Fisto at all. has not had a line in not any all. film. Not at all. And okay, fair enough. But no, I mean, if, if it would have been used for a little bit more of a joke, I probably would defend it a little bit more here. But I mean, if yeah, there was just cons- if there was just some sort of reference, you know, when like Thor gets back to Asgard and he sees Heimdall, he's like, "Hey, oh, where are my friends? Where are my oh, friends?" He's yeah. like, "Oh, your friends all died." And it's like, "Oh, that gives me a little bit more motivation because Hela killed my friends." Like, just if they if they paid it off in some way like yeah. that, I would have I would have been okay with it. Absolutely, <laughs> even though it was so short. But the fact that it just like happens and there's no reference or like yeah. I mean, it just felt like almost like a wasted like cameo. It'd be like, hey, Zachary Levi, Ray Stevenson. Can you show up? Come fly to Australia <laughs> so we can kill you. Like, why? Uh, maybe, uh, I, I, like, maybe it's, they had some stuff that, you know, didn't make it to the cutting room. It made it, you know, got left on the cutting room floor, perhaps. But uh, Maybe. Yeah, that, that is. hard to believe. I could, I could understand being a little bit upset. That, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I hate this movie now. It was just like, just a little disappointed. They needed. They needed. Thor needed to get some better friends. Sure. I mean, I mean and he does. I mean, the, the lineup he has at the end of the movie is incredible. Yeah. Him, Hulk, Loki, Thor, full on Revengers, uh, Valkyrie, and Korg, and Meek, who's still alive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah th- so thankful for Meek. That was the saddest thing ever. Oh man. It was oh so Meek. Good. Uh, yeah. Well, I accidentally squashed him down there on the bridge. <laughs> I've been carrying around because I felt so guilty. <laughs> oh my God, Meek, Meek's alive, everybody. <laughs> yeah. What was your question? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, can we can Earth we talk? Is. Can we talk Korg real quick? Can yeah, we pivot absolutely. to something a little bit brighter. I just have. I mean, I wrote down. I think oh, not every line Korg says. Oh, there, I mean, there's a lot of good ones. But ever, but all of these, which I think is basically most of what he says, and every one of them still makes me laugh. Like mm-hmm. we just did the meek. We did meek. Oh, meek's alive at the end of the thing. But even him just like asking Loki midway through the third act. Like or second act, do you want to get on that spaceship with us? Just got just, yeah. it was like hilarious to me, and I don't know if it's because I knew it was Taika, and I don't know. I don't. I mean, that line specifically didn't play as comedy for me, but like yeah. his response then when Loki's like, oh, "Sure, it looks like you guys could use some leadership," even though Korg's the leader <laughs> of this rebellion, yeah. he's like. Yeah, we do. Yeah. It's like, well, thank you very much. It's like, it's like why? Yeah, his why? Er, his earnestness is is the best part, especially his introduction, where he's oh, like, yeah. "No, no need to be afraid, um, unless you're scissors." It's like, how about that? Uh, you Just know, simple rock paper scissors, scissors joke. joke. I yep. was like. <laughs> I was laughing at the rock part initially. Then when he threw in the rock, paper, scissors answer, I was like, this is just hilarious. Yeah, I know. It's like, this is my buddy Meek. He's mm-hmm. got swords for arms. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. like, uh, and then Meek's just like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's so good. I mean, and then like, I mean, he's like, uh, you know, I'm I'm just a contender. You know, I, I, I do the opening stuff. Like I try to start a revolution. Mm-hmm. Didn't put enough flowers on my mom and my my mom and my dad. My mom and my mom's boyfriend showed up. Oh, yeah. Who I hate. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. it. And then <laughs> when like Thor's like, hey, like you know, who's fought this this champion? And he's like, oh, Doug fought him. Hey, Doug. Oh, Doug's dead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then like when Thor's like, well, I'm still gonna fight him. He's like, okay. Bye, new Doug. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, that's what is, Doug said too. <laughs> uh, it's just so good. I mean, yeah, Korg is Korg is excellent, and the fact that he's around at the end of this film. Yes. Uh, yeah, t- he, he he created probably one of the most beloved characters since Groot. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I want to see Korg and Groot hang out. Oh, absolutely, That'd and be I, awesome. Uh, this has. I'm assuming he's going to be back in Infinity War. I would have loved to have seen a 
Korg will return as well for Infinity <laughs> yeah. War, not just Thor. They just announced like, Korg will star in his own movie in yeah. 2020. I, if he gets blown, I mean, well, I mean, we'll, I guess we can, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the mid-credits stuff because sure. that's, you know, that's the end. That's the very end. But, Fair enough. Um, I mean, just going off of the Korg stuff, uh, is was Korg, one of Korg's lines your favorite joke? Like, I loved his, get out of here, you stupid ghost. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though it was like you know, a minute late. <laughs> right. The best part of that was, too. And uh, I think that is my favorite. Isn't that my favorite? No, my favorite is in the armory. But what I loved about that one is um, him and Meek were waiting around the wings to, like, attack. Yeah. <laughs> and they wait until he leaves. <laughs> And, it, and then he's like, oh, he's freaking gone. Yeah. And then Meek jumps around at the end and he's like swinging his swords. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like, like, he's like what is happening? Close. Yeah. Um, but no, it's in the armory and Thor is like, oh, all these weapons are junk. And then he's like, well, how about this wooden fork? You could use it to stab a group of vampires if they're huddled close together. Well, because Thor's like, uh, he's like, no, hammer's my sort of thing. He's like, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, this wouldn't be really handy unless you're stabbing yes. like three vampires <laughs> yes. at the same time. It's like, why? Exactly. <laughs> why is that your first thought? And then there, Hor gets into describing uh, his hammer and there's like, he's like, all these questions and he's like, how does the hammer make you fly? Do you, do you ride it like a broom? And he's like, no, the hammer, you put the hammer on your back. No, I would just swing it really fast and it would pull me yeah, off. Yeah. And then the course yeah. like, your hammer would pull you off. He's oh, like, oh. Okay. Yes. He's like, no, not like that. He's like, but it sounds like you, you and your hammer have really like it's close probably, personal relationship. Like yeah. it's almost like a person to you. And he's like, right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. Yeah. Especially. It, yeah. And he goes, so it's so matter of the fact that you're like, oh, this guy is so sweet. And yeah. then, you know, yeah, that was arguably the, my favorite cork yeah. moment. I think some of my favorite jokes, uh, the joke where Thor recounts like the incident that happened with Loki and the snake. Where he's oh, like, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, when I was younger, Loki. He knew I love snakes, so he turned to a snake, and I picked it up to admire it, and then he transformed back to something. He's like, gotcha! Yeah. And I was like, ah! Yeah. And then he stabbed me in the chest. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> and then the whole time, Loki's just like sitting there like, yeah, I did yeah. that. And then I love Mark, you know, I even love Mark Ruffalo's like, response. He's like, guys, I was just talking to Loki. Yeah. <laughs> and he definitely seemed like he wanted to kill us. Yeah. He's like, well, Tesla Thompson's vodka. He's like, yeah, I mean, he, he tried to kill me. And Thor's like, yeah, I mean, multiple times. Right, like, yeah, he's like the worst. <laughs> so so I, I loved that. I loved um, the whole the callback to Black Widow's "The Sun's Coming Down, Big Guy." Oh yeah, yeah. I loved the way they used that as a joke. Uh, the Point Break callback when uh, Thor's trying to unlock the Quinjet, and he's like, "What is that?" It's from Avengers. Yes, so like after the um, the fight in the forest, he pats him on the bicep, and he's like, "Good job, Point Break." Yeah, what's that, Point Break? I don't get it. The movie Point Break. What's What's the movie Point Break about? The It's like a movie about. It's with Keanu Reeves, and he's like, an, he's like an undercover cop, and there's uh, the big surfer dude that he has to befriend. Uh, he just looks like Thor. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it. It's Patrick Swayze. Everyone thought it was the... I think that was like one of the biggest laughs in the theater. Oh, yeah. And I'm way over my head. But I, like, I knew it. You knew it was, it was just from like, Avengers, but yeah. you just didn't know Point Break was a movie? Well, I figured it was a movie, but I was like, is this like Judd Nelson or what are we talking about? Well, I, mean, I mean, it was even, I mean, it was remade last year, two years ago with, uh, yeah. who was it? Somebody I don't remember. Actually, somebody actually big time, so. Uh, not Eric. Was it Eric Bana? I can't remember if it was Eric Bana. It may be. That'd yeah. be weird if it was a previous Hulk, but um, other than that, Grandmaster's birthday song and the <gasps> of use course. of his fireworks. I loved that. Um, I love when Thor is like, 
he's like ready to you know bust out of Sakaar and he kicks the ball at the window yes. and it bounces back and pops up and he's like because ah, that's, that's what heroes do, do. and yes. then he bursts through it but then even more so the physical comedy when Banner is like you've been wondering who I am this whole time mm-hmm. you're about to find out he jumps out of the plane yes. and just goes like he splats across the rainbow bridge and I was like it's, yeah the best part is it's one of the most dire moments of the film where the, oh, the good people of the Asgard are about to be eaten by a giant wolf and yeah he just and then it's the impact it's the thud the fact that you see his body just smack and then get rolled over by the wolf yeah. Uh, absolutely. Oh, and then I mean you, we could go on about Jeff Goldblum's oh, zaniness, there's, oh, there's so but many. his po- his 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 post credit scene probably <laughs> his best moment yet. Um, which is not good. spoilery. No. Go? Okay, we, yeah. we are in spoilers, the, so. The revolution that Korg starts on Sakar before leaving. Um, oh, first I want to say, his uh, he's like, the slaves are revolting. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't like what? that word. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> she's like uh, prisoners with jobs. No, no. He's like, she's like, the prisoners have attacked the mainframe. And he and was like, no, 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 I don't like that. And he's like, I don't like that word. She's like, uh, yeah mainframe he's like no <laughs> main why would i not like the word mainframe <laughs> like rachel house in this movie is who plays um his like right hand person yeah. i can't remember her character's name but she's in hunt for the wilder people as the cop mm-hmm. and i mean she yeah. has some great the moments as well social the uh, social services character mm-hmm. yeah yeah um i mean i, I even love <laughs> when grandmasters like talk like when thor and loki finally find each other on sakar mm-hmm and they're like, how'd you get here? And Loki's like, oh, he's like, how come you're not in a chair? He's like, oh, I befriended Grandmaster in the th- last three weeks. And he's like, three weeks? I've been here for like two minutes. Yeah. He's like, how have you been here for so long? And then Grandmaster explains that like Sakaar basically has like a slowed down time. Yeah. So like everything in Sakaar. Or sped up. Or it's sped up, yeah. yeah. But like... He's like, yeah, so, or no, no, it would be slowed. Uh, it would be sped up because the days go by really right. quick there. That's right. So, like, Thor could have like, been on that but planet. You don't, you don't age at the same rate. It's just that time would go by faster, right? Right. It would be like. Because he says that, like, yes. you know, on any other planet, I'd be a billion years old, but here I'm. And he's like awkwardly just like looks around <laughs> and smiles. And I'm like, that's so funny. <laughs> that he just doesn't answer how old he is. Right. But then I also love that because then when. Hulk finally comes back it, into Banner's form, which I loved the moment that it was like Black Widow and seeing mm-hmm. her for the first time in forever, that that's what eventually gave pa- Banner the power to overtake Hulk as control. Yeah. Um, but I love the fact that they explained the, the sped up time or that time was altered on Sakaar because then when Hulk or when Thor's like, Banner, that all that stuff you're talking about, Sokovia, you know, all that stuff, that was, that was two years ago. But for Hulk... It would have been it would have been way longer, right? So like, that would even add to the insanity factor of, and the shock of Banner finally regaining control. Well, it seems like Hulk is like a blackout for Banner when he goes right. Hulk. Just he, the only thing he remembers is bef- right before right. he became Hulk. It but it, like. but it would still it would still like you know because he's like oh I, I've been locked away I've been trapped outside I can't get control yeah it would it would be even longer than just it would feel longer than two years. Because yeah. of Sakaar's sped up, you know, time for sure. however that works. Which oh, I yeah, thought was totally. an, an interesting wrinkle to add. If they ever play with Banner and Hulk fighting for control and you know all that stuff, which they do, because I mentioned that Banner's like, if I ever, you know, I, it was like I was in a you know, car trunk and I couldn't, I couldn't get control of the steering wheel. Yeah. And if I could turn back into the Hulk, I don't think I'll 
come back as Banner ever again. Yeah. And so then when he sacrifices himself basically to go save Asgard and turn back right. into the Hulk, that's another great character moment. Yeah. So like, can we just go ahead and like pivot right into Bruce mm-hmm. Banner? There? Yeah. Let's talk about the Hulk storyline in this movie, which I think is terrific. Uh-huh. And I think it really worked as a Planet Hulk movie, even Absolutely. though it's not even close no. to what Planet Hulk, the Hulk is. But the idea right. of- You get like the very simple, simplistic terms of it but yes. nothing close to he's a, else. he's a he becomes a massive hit celebrity leader whatever the case here is and um i yeah i just first of all seeing the hulk learn to communicate and talk and uh interact with hemsworth and everybody else mm-hmm. as a separate character played by um ruffalo is yeah. really cool, and I'm glad that that's the that's the new direction of Hulk now mm-hmm. um, for this film. And then he's the, the the talk is that he's got basically a nice little arc, yeah, to right. play Infinity out. War and Avengers Four, yeah. yeah. So that so that's terrific. Like the idea that Hulk is now, Hulk is aware of how he's perceived, and um, like him and Thor get into a huge fight about you know the, how the Hulk understands his role is mm-hmm. on Earth, and they're like Hor's like the Thor's like. Oh, they call you the stupid Avenger, and all sorts of stuff like that. And then I love, I love, I love Hulk's response because he just like throws down his arms, like, Ugh. yeah. Ugh. And he's just like, he's so frustrated and Pouty like a little kid. And I was like, oh. yeah. And then Thor's like, oh, crap, I gotta, gotta go make up for it. And he's like, you know, I, I didn't mean that, but you can't go throwing shields at people. You could have killed me. And he's like, right. I'm sorry, I just get so angry. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Hulk's so angry all the time. I was like, this is just great. Yeah. And that's comic book Hulk. Yeah, I mean. Other than like outside of like the origin story, mm-hmm. you know. After that, you're like, yeah, that's that's what Hulk knows what he is and knows yeah. that he he screws up a lot of the time. And uh, I mean, I just can't, I can I'm just envisioning what Tony Stark and his interactions would be like, you oh, know, yeah. in the future because I'm sure they're going to be hilarious with a Hulk that can now converse. Absolutely, and, I mean, it has to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've talked a lot about some great moments of the movie. Uh, can I talk about some other stuff that bothered me a little bit? Oh yeah, please. Okay, so let's get to it. Uh, Twenty minutes in the movie, maybe, maybe even less than that. Odin dies. Yeah, which wasn't a surprise. I would have thought Odin would die in this movie um, because in the trailers we see all the lightning around Thor, and it's like, okay, he's clearly much more powerful. Is he? Is he now the the All Father? Um, and he he takes on that role now mm-hmm. that Odin's dead. But I didn't love the way it was handled. It felt like it was, it was, it was brushed over very quickly. Um, you know, even in like Thor: The Dark World, which isn't a really isn't a very good movie. But when Frigga dies in that movie, there's like a five minute sequence just dedicated to like remembering Frigga and like seeing her and all the other warriors from Asgard that have fallen in the attack from Malekith. We see them send off in a really great way. And you know, coming you know after like Guardians Two, Yondu's send off and Yondu's death was. Uh, one of the more emotional moments in the MCU, I think. Mm-hmm. And to see Odin, such a powerful um, father-like figure, pass away, um, and especially since he just served the story so well, if he's just like, oh, my boys are finally here. I can release my spirit and go. I was like, I mean, uh, it, was such, it was such like a perfect timing thing that it bothered me a little bit on that angle but more so just that it felt like odin didn't get to go out as like the all father he was just like i'm old and anthony hopkins probably just want to do this anymore <laughs> yeah uh i i i thought it was okay okay i was i was uh i don't know if they were on location for this these norway scenes i don't think so i don't think they went to actual norway i mean they were they were filming outside but it was yeah. her screen screen okay 
Yeah. Well, there was green screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I, I did love the idea that they were in Norway and that's, sure. and he kept calling it home. Yes. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, our legend of Thor comes from. Mm-hmm. And I like, uh, I personally love that final connection where he's on Midgard, if you will, earth. And he's going to call the place that, you know, basically made him who he is, right. you know, made his, the legend of Thor, uh, happen. And that's where he's calling it his, you know, final resting place. Right. I also I like think that. it foreshadows some things that happen, um, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but just one other thing that I didn't really love. Well, I guess we'll talk about the thing now. We see Asgard is destroyed because mm-hmm. Ragnarok is successfully yep. implemented because Thor wants it to be. Because that's right. the only way they can defeat Hela is if they destroy Asgard and stop her from gaining the power that she draws from Asgard. Yes. Um, and we see Asgard destroyed. But I think, you know, in and in that moment, we see Thor get flashbacks. Or not flashbacks. They're like visions almost of like talking with Odin. And Odin's like, um, you know, Asgard isn't a, a place. It's not a home. It's a people. It, it's a people. And yep. that's when Thor replicates that. And I think that calls back to the Norway scene that Asgard's going to come to Earth. Yeah. And they're going to set up base... In either Norway. above Earth or on Earth. Oh. Uh, I mean, in the comics, at one point after Ragnarok happened, they like station themselves above Oklahoma. Oh. So I don't know if they'll go to <laughs> Oklahoma and do that, or if they'll go to Norway and they'll just be like, Thor will be like, yeah. this is where my father said home, so we're going to set up base here, have some sort of protective city, invisible city, whatever. I don't also really love that because then it just brings... I want Thor to be on cosmic adventures if he were, if he continues on yeah. instead of being placed on Earth. But it makes it gives him a reason to want to go to Earth, like he says at the end of the movie. So mm-hmm. um, that I think I think Asgard's coming to Norway. But yeah, I that mean, was my take on it, especially yeah. like when he was like, "Oh, like you know, at least his ideas and the ambitions for everything else." Um, so didn't dig Asgard getting destroyed? Oh no, I didn't. I didn't mind it. Um, All right, that was just building off of the questions Odin left talk. unanswered. Yeah, which I th- I think is totally fine because that leaves um, the future open. You can mess with it however you want. You can follow that route, or if you know Thor doesn't make it out of Infinity War or Avengers Four, or whatever, then mm-hmm. you could just totally disregard that whole story arc potentially. Yeah, they can they can be there, but they don't have to right. You know, be in anything exactly. I hear you. Um, but what? the other thing I didn't yeah. love, um, unfortunately, was Scourge. You didn't I like didn't. him. I, I, I liked. I liked the performance we got from Carl Urban. I yeah. thought Carl, like you said, his introduction, spot on. I mm-hmm. mean, everything about it was just great. And since we're in spoilers, I mean, the shake weight joke was, I mean, I yeah, I was so <laughs> out of left field <laughs> that I never saw that coming. But I saw that he's like, yeah, you know, Heimdall was a joke. You know, he, this was such an easy job. You yeah. can just look, look at all my stuff. And he's just trying to like <laughs> right. impress the ladies. Uh, I, I love that aspect of it, but... He just kind of lucked into being part of Hela's team, mm-hmm. but then he never had to prove his loyalty until he was like, nah, I'm not about this anymore. Yeah. So, like, he was just kind of there for the ride, only to, like, he was, he's called Scourge Executioner, and Arnie's about to execute somebody for the first time to prove that he is actually committed to Hela. Some rando comes off the street and's like, no, 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 I know where the sword is. Yeah. Saving him from having to try to do that. I would have. Even if you're going to do the kill the warriors three thing, I would have rather it been like, you know, 
Yes. Hella gives each of them a dagger, gives another one to Volstag to kill him, but then Fandral's still up and fighting him. But then Scourge had already like pledged his allegiance, and Hella's like, "All right, prove it. Take yeah. out, take out Fandral." And, mm. that, and if he'd done that, then I'd be like, "Okay, he's in it. Like he is. He's showing commitment to Hella. He's actually, you know, worthy of being the executioner, and he's actually going to maybe do some stuff to make his redemptive story that much better." But instead, it was just like he's just kind of there and kind of brooding and confused the whole time. And then he, like, just like last seconds, like, all right, I'm going to go out like a good guy. Yeah. And, like, it, it plays into this whole thing of, like, you know, she's asking, like, who are you? What do you want to be? And he's like, I just want to be remembered mm-hmm. or something like that. And, I mean, it plays in that because he goes out as a hero. To matter. Yeah. But. It wasn't very impactful, and I think his arc wasn't very good. Yeah, he's he's very he's very one note. Yeah, he's just he's Which, just there in the film. And since it's Carl Urban, I, w- I wanted I wanted way more. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, he didn't. He was he's definitely static, if you will, opportunistic uh, till the very end. Especially like when he's trying to escape, and he's like, "Oh, I'll do the right thing, and then I'll I'll blow everyone up, even though I'll yeah. take a sword in the chest." Yeah. Yeah, I'm, so that, that is a letdown, but it didn't take me out of the film at all. Yeah. Um, other things, we didn't see a soul stone. We we didn't. Get, we did. We did. Did we? We did. What is it? It's we saw the tesseract get picked up. But that's not the soul stone. But we, got, we can saw the soul stone be in it. No, because that's the space stone, time stone. Not not the time stone. It's a space stone. I think for sure. Yes. Okay. I mean, it's not. Either, I mean, I guess we could it could change. It could be the Soul Stone, but either way, we didn't get the sixth Infinity Stone revealed. Okay, we already knew the Tesseract was an Infinity Stone, but we didn't get the final Infinity Stone reveal. So there's one still missing. So there's one still out there. Okay, which means Black Panther is it in Wakanda somewhere, or is it just going to be found in Infinity War? It's not a huge thing, but it's something mm. interesting to think about now as we move forward. Um, because I thought for sure Ragnarok was going to give us the final one. Yeah, we did. Okay, yeah, you're right. We didn't get an introduction to a new one. Yeah, Thor couldn't find any on his galactic adventure, nope. and uh, it was it was it was seeming like they put that out of our our reach like right away. Yeah, which I appreciated because it's like, all right, is it going to happen? Yeah. And if it did, it would have made I guess that much more surprising. But mm-hmm. uh, I did see an interesting theory today that maybe Grandmaster's staff is a soul stone. Because it has an orange glow, and it, it melts people, it melts people's <laughs> yeah. souls. Uh, you could you could maybe explain it away that way. Um, but I, th- I thought that would be interesting if you know, because he is the brother of the collector mm-hmm. who has two of them? two Infinity Stones, I believe. He's got uh, the either, or, or he, he only has one now because he lost the Power Stone, right, um, to the Guardians. But it'd be interesting if Grandmaster had one, if the collector had one. And then that's a way to bring them back uh, for some capacity in Infinity War or something. I think uh, that was an interesting theory I saw today. How many does Thanos own himself? Uh, that'd be zero. So maybe he just has it. Maybe. Is that possible? It's possible. I don't love that because he's just kind of like... Even one Infinity Stone grants you some amount of power. And he's just been so nonchalant mm. and aggressive that he's just been like yeah. sitting back and chilling and if he has one he should be able to do some damage um so i don't want him to already have one good point 
because otherwise he just why yeah. have you just been sitting back and because yeah, that especially why did he need a Jatari army to do his well, work for him if he had a soul yeah, stone? especially since he he gave away one of the he gave away the mind stone to Loki and he lost it. That's so right. Like you had two, and then you lost it. I mean, it's already bad enough. That if, if even if he had only one and he gave it up <laughs> and he lost it, I mean, he was trying to get a second one, I guess. But I don't love the thought of him already having some only to lose them um or have them and just not use them in yeah, all that time i hear you but um other things i thought the, let's talk about the marketing of this movie real quick it didn't spoil a lot of stuff it was actually pretty deceptive um yeah. some of the scenes were actually just reframed exactly i mean we got a lot of the trailers ended with that big money shot of hulk thor valkyrie and loki standing all side by side on the Rainbow Bridge, yeah, that never happened. Right, uh, Hulk was off fighting Fenris Wolf at some at other points, and mm-hmm. Loki hadn't arrived yet. Yeah, so it's like I was like, okay, that was nice, but then also one of the bigger moments of the movie near the end, Thor loses an eye. Yeah, he gets his right eye cut off. Yep, popped out. Po- yeah, popped off, not cut off. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know the, how you pop. I, don't yeah. know, the, the, I mean, the, the it, physics of losing an eye. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it almost looked like he just like. They like they cut him and then like his eyelid just like collapsed because uh, they're like there wasn't like a hole or anything. I right. mean that's probably just a Marvel thing. Just be yeah. like we don't want to make it too graphic. Exactly. Um, so I, I mean, I'm not gonna you know hurt them for that, but uh, I love that they didn't do that because we yeah. we saw in the trailers you know that shot of Thor with all of the like electricity coming around him landing mm-hmm. on the Rainbow Bridge, two eyes, eyes glowing, mm-hmm. eyes plural. Yeah. But in the movie, he only has the one. Also, um, his initial encounter with Hela that looks like it's being taking it's like taking place in New York City or yeah. something like that. They, 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 they reshot that. Yeah, they reframed that to uh, which I think well the, like that Norway. was that what they they. That was initially the plan was to do it oh, okay, in yeah. New York, but then they reshot it. I don't know why, but I would assume it would would be to try to make some sort of better impact on Odin's passing and his mm-hmm. like calling this home. Because if he's just like in New York, it's really convenient one that he's just right down the street from Doctor Strange. Yeah, but it also you know Odin just like passes away in an alleyway or something like that's mm-hmm. not as <laughs> right elegant as it would oh, be for a king yeah, so totally uh, I totally get that um and then even we haven't even talked about it but Hela is Thor's sister oh yeah which is like a pretty big revelation and the uh, the whole the the very the history behind all of this mm-hmm. too is super awesome I mean that uh she her char- her character is a bit of a not a letdown, but like you said, you had like a you had a note you had a, char- a, a some some of her her characters. Uh, what are the she, words? She just doesn't have enough to do. That not, was the yeah. problem. Like her, she she gets to Asgard, she takes over, and then she's just like sitting around trying to find a sword for a long time. Uh, trying to I'm trying to I'm trying I'm to stall. I know I'm trying out. to find the word, but her her um. Motivations. Motivations. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Her motivations um, don't really find an end. Or they, they find an end, mm-hmm. but they don't get to be expanded upon as much as you kind of would have hoped. Yeah. Like, she doesn't get to have a moment with Odin. She doesn't get to tell him off mm-hmm. that Odin's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to create, turn you, like kind of like the Jason Bourne problem. We're going to make you a weapon, and right. then when you're done, when we're done with you, we're going to, you know, either banish you or burn you and say you never existed mm-hmm. and that's what odin did yeah and he leaves 
on a, a note where you're just kind of like, like you said, you were kind of like disappointed that he gets to go away. But also, the guy's a divisive character too. Mm-hmm. Like he was a part of a slaughtering right all sorts of people and hell is like you know telling the story that way mm-hmm. and you're like so maybe odin wasn't a complete good guy and we right. kind of knew that he was right. he's a bit of a tool throughout most of the I films mean, i mean yeah i mean he's you know he's the ruler of over nine realms i'm sure right. he had to do something to get there like exactly asgard wasn't formed you know instantly as the ruler like the yeah. ruling kingdom so right. it, it wasn't it wasn't a huge surprise that you know there was some other history behind all of the rulings and stuff, but I did love that they yeah. actually went into all of that and introduced it because it was a very big dig, like you know, kind of like colonialism or whatever. Right. And, and, like, yeah, and it just it gave good. great mythology to Asgard and Absolutely. to Odin. And um, I think when you know, as much as I say, maybe that this movie hurts the previous Thor movies in terms of the quality of this movie of Thor Ragnarok, as it is the best movie, that yeah. it'll kind of put the other two to shame a little bit. Yes, but also if you go back and rewatch those movies then you'll see things in a different light where we already knew that Odin wasn't the perfect guy because he was lying to Loki about mm-hmm. that Loki was adopted. And I right. loved Loki's jab at Thor when they're, you know, arguing in Sakaar and he's like, it hurts to be lied to, doesn't it? Like, yeah. now you know how I feel after all those years. <laughs> um, I, I, I loved all of that. And I mean, just to see everything with Hela, um, yeah. it, it was really great. And especially because they added a little twist to at least the comic mythology of Hela, where in the comics Hela is uh the daughter of loki and uh-huh. so it wasn't totally a huge surprise that she was a family member but they also didn't hint towards that at all in the marketing but then they also changed it so that way she's the sister to odin or not to odin to thor and the actual rightful ruler of asgard which i thought gave her decent enough motivation mm-hmm. to be like i mean this is my birthright right to be the ruler so i should get to do this and then i love that she was like jabbing odin's like odin's like a wimp you know like Mm -hmm. we were on track to take over the galaxy and then he just like wimped out and's like all right uh hella you're too powerful i'm gonna lock you away until i die and now i'm gonna make peace with all the realms i've taken over yeah so like i tweeted this as i was rewatching thor in the lead up i was like i'd love to see a you know a young anthony hopkins (laughs) odin movie or something yeah and especially now. Oh, I would like love- if we got to see a Hella Odin adventure of like them conquering the nine realms, and it's like, you know, it's the Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings no, sure. style thing, where it's just more, it's it's much slower and like all that. So I thought that I think that'd be super interesting. Amazon, Amazon, Amazon is in the hunt for a. Uh, <laughs> they are a huge series, I'm, so maybe I'm, that'll be. Oh man, I'm so surprised about that. I mean, not really that Lord of the Rings could be brought back, but it sounds like it'll be some kind of spinoff stuff, sure, not actual filming, but you know. That's not that's not here right now. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. I I told there was that that itself should have been explored a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, the the pivot away from that kind of stuff and adapting Ragnarok mm-hmm. to that like Surtur, like I wondered how he was going to come into this. Yeah, me too. Especially when he was shown in the verse five mm-hmm. minutes of the film um I'll, you know with uh, of course got to mention the swinging chain the revolving See, that was one of those jokes that i was like you could have cut the second time around like it, it didn't need to happen again because the comedic beat was really good the first time mm-hmm. then the second time he's like oh sorry hold on again and i was like yeah. uh, uh, okay you, you got me the first time it was still somewhat funny the second but i didn't need it again i think i think the second time made it funny though okay but that's fair 
we can argue the nuances of comedy. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I loved I loved that his his um the MacGuffin, which is him, I guess, I suppose, really, right. is that they let Ragnarok happen because mm-hmm. evil has to destroy only a even more powerful evil can destroy a powerful evil. Right. And then that like leads to the the end of Asgard. And uh Thor and you know, Thor's realization of that is awesome. Mm-hmm. But also what was probably the best Hulk moment yeah. is when Hulk sees Surtur as tall as yeah. a mountain and just like, I gotta go smash that thing. Uh-huh. And then just all of a sudden climbs up from the, the bottom of the rainbow bridge, sees it, and you're just kinda like, What's Hulk? And then he yeah. flies off into oblivion. And the whole time Thor's like, Oh finally Thor and Fraka finally did it. Yeah. Now we just gotta let him destroy Asgard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't let anything interfere with him. And Hulk's just running up behind. Yeah. Leaps up and they're like, gosh dang it, Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> For once in your life will you not smash? <laughs> Hulk's like, but big monster guy. <laughs> He's like, No, come on, we're leaving. He's like uh, uh, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was great. Yeah. I, you, I mean you did mention I mean Searcher is the one who wins in the end, quote mm-hmm. unquote. I mean he gets to fulfill his destiny of destroying Asgard and right. he kills Hela in the process, but is Hela actually dead? I, I Yeah, I, I think so. Okay. I mean, the entire... I mean, she's kind of like evaporated. So I don't, I, I don't know what other power sets Hela could have. I don't know either. But, uh, I mean, they call her the goddess of death in the movie. It would make somewhat sense that the goddess of death is a little more difficult to kill. <laughs> sure. I mean, we see her like stabbed multiple times. Right. And like, I don't know if it's her suit or if it's her powers, but they just like, kind of like go through her and she's yeah. like not hurt at all. So I would not be surprised if she comes back in Infinity War, Avengers mm-hmm. 4, and is the MCU's version of Mistress Death that Thanos is like longing for. Because um, that could be interesting. They could even dive further into the mythology of it all and have like Hela and Thanos cross paths many, many, many years ago. Mm. And, you know, Thanos just like became infatuated with her at that point. But then she went, she went away. She was locked away for those years and he forgot about her. And then he finds her again. And he's like, oh, okay, you're back. Is that like a motivation for him or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, in the in the comics, his whole motivation for the Infinity Stones and to get and to reset the universe is to impress death because it's his one love. Oh, well, hopefully that is the case because, well, I mean, first of all, I want, uh, it would be so awesome to have Kate Blanchett Absolutely. show back up again. Um, getting, I mean, like this whole cast, when you think about it, mm-hmm. when you think about the cameos, like Matt oh, Damon yeah. showing up, yeah. you know, Sam Neill, exactly. we even got the other Hemsworth or one of the other Hemsworths, uh, Luke Hemsworth. The youngest Hemsworth, I think he's youngest. Maybe he's he's bl- the oldest. He played Thor in the yeah, play. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, I'm like, that That looks like... And then, yeah, my sister was like, yeah, that's the other one. I'm like, okay, got it. But yeah, I mean, we also... I mean, just to kind of wrap this up, we saw pa- Doctor Strange back. I thought oh, yes. it was very cool to see his um, his skill set expanded because mm-hmm. he was like teleporting all the way around his, uh, his mansion. But then we got... I, I just like that... In the short time that has, I'm assuming, short time has passed between Doctor Strange and the events of Thor Ragnarok, that we get to see that he is already growing his abilities, yep. and I'm sure that'll only be expanded upon once we get to Infinity War. Yeah. So, uh, other than that, we saw Loki take the Tesseracts at the end of the movie. Yeah. Potentially, or did he? He, he did. He has to. He did because of what that mid-credit scene is. Yeah. And that mid-credit scene is basically the Tesseract being a beacon for what looks like Thanos' ship. Is, yeah, it is Thanos' ship. So yeah. I, I believe it was Kevin Feige 
I think Kevin Feige and Taika Waititi have both confirmed in separate interviews that, yeah, that's Thanos' ship, or at least a ship that belongs to Thanos and his forces. Yeah. So I don't know if it will be Thanos specifically coming there, but I think it's very clear that when Infinity War begins, I don't know if that is going to be the opening, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming that happens very early on and that Thanos or whoever is on that ship comes, lays waste to that ship, I think. Yeah. I think it's going to... Mm-hmm. I think it could kill all the rest of Asgard. Yeah. All the so Asgardian too. race um, outside of Thor makes out alive. Um, you know, I think Hulk obviously does as well. Valkyrie, Loki. Yeah. But I, I believe that in the descriptions for the Infinity War trailer, there's a shot of Loki with the Tesseract offering it to somebody, probably Thanos. So did maybe did Loki call and like signal Thanos like, hey, hey, buddy, remember me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I finally got your Tesseract yeah. for you. <laughs> hey, don't kill me. Uh, I mean, it, he begs for mercy, I would assume. So uh, I think he definitely has a Tesseract. Otherwise, why show that shot of him in Odin's vault eyeing it? Because oh, yeah, it does no, make it. Oh, and that was that was one of the retcons I loved was when Hell was like, oh, Odin's vault. A lot of this stuff is fake. And there's yeah. the other Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, which she's like, she's like fake and knocks it over because mm-hmm. in the first Thor movie, there is an infinity gauntlet in there. And everybody's been like, Oh shoot. Like, is that the real infinity gauntlet? Does that mean they're going to go to Asgard and destroy it? And like, yeah. what, what does that mean? And then Kevin Feige is kind of like, Oh, there may be, I mean, there's multiple infinity gauntlets kind of yeah. trying to find being coy. Sort of yeah. yeah. And then a dodge to know, just be like, Oh, that's fake. And now yeah. Asgard is destroyed. It's like, Okay, good. So the one mm-hmm. you know we saw Thanos put on at the end of Guardian or Avengers Two is actually the real one. That's that's comforting to know, for sure. Do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, two things. First, editors uh, Joel uh, Negrin and Zeke Baker, mm-hmm. terrific job. I read an interview with these guys and kind of I learned some things about like Hulk's uh, crashing through the his. When he turns back into Bruce Banner, yeah, I that was a great scene. A l- great scene, but also how it's all sort of like digitally done mm-hmm. and that when you see those smooth pans, like they're almost fluid. Yeah. That's all, that's all fake built from, it's all built from 3d modeling and right. things like that. And it's so cool to read about that. Um, and then also final joke, Thor's hammer is unstoppable. And when Thor calls it to himself, oh, yeah. it, it's going to break anything in its path because it's going to take a direct line. Mm-hmm. And the joke that uh, TD and the, the writers and whoever brought into the movie was the Thor, the hammer is going to break things <laughs> as it gets to it, especially when Thor calls it yeah. inside of Doctor Strange's house. Oh, yeah. And you just hear it crash through like four or five floors and all sorts of objects before it gets to his hand. Yep. I was like, that is one great thing that I've never thought about before. Right. <laughs> and that they brought into it. Like, and they, like they barely explain it in Thor, like they kind of go with that in Thor too, where Hulk's like kind of going through all the different portals, yeah. And he's trying to call to the hammer, and it's like going up buildings, and it's like, but it's dodging things. Mm-hmm. But in this one, it's just kind of like, no, it's going on the direct path. Yeah. And I, I did love that they're just kind of making jokes about how it would <laughs> yes. easily destroy things. Right. So uh, that was, that was that was great. We both really liked Thor Ragnarok. Would absolutely recommend it to anybody. Um, whether you've seen any of the Thor movies or if this be your first one, I don't think it really matters. So go see it and uh, you know, tell us what you think about it. Cause yeah. That's all we got. But we'll be right back in a bit with the news.
and we're back with the news and always we're going to start with some trailers this week we only got one we're going to talk about because we got our first look or not i don't think it's our first look i think it's our first official trailer for itania yeah. we had a mm-hmm. teaser before that we didn't talk about but this one it's margot robbie um who's she playing tanya harding tanya harding yeah uh, the the figure skater from the olympics that uh had a very big scandal many many years ago or not many many years ago i guess but quite a few years ago yeah about and, a decade or two uh this look this looks really interesting it i'm looks super excited fun yeah like um, Margot looks like she's going she's having some range not that she didn't have range before but she gets a little intense a little crazy this is her first great character that yeah. i've seen her you know actually get her hands on mm-hmm. which is awesome yeah i mean even like sebastian stan looks good looks like he's having some good moments and then i know you love allison janey I do. so i do i do i do what'd you think of her yeah she looks like she's playing the rated r character of her cbs character mm-hmm. on cbs's yeah, mom is that right uh, yeah with yeah. anna faris yeah it looks like she's doing her rated r character there and like her first introduction line is where it's like someone's like hey don't swear she's like i didn't and then yeah. like, you know, she <laughs> goes her. goes all off yeah <laughs> yeah um i mean it looks like a serious oscar contender in for potentially Margot. alice and janie is getting a lot of buzz and then depending on the overall quality maybe you could see best picture or I don't know if this is fun to adapted screenplay or what, how that works. Um, cause I don't know if, I don't know if there's a true story book on this or that they built off of, or if they're building off the real life events or, yeah. um, how that all goes. But I mean, maybe even the director, you never know. Right. I mean, it looks like it's all playing out like something in a tabloids. Oh yeah. And, um, Margaret breaks the fourth wall. Uh, mm-hmm. Tanya breaks the fourth wall. She's like, yeah, this didn't happen. Like <laughs> after she's like done shooting a shotgun at Sebastian Stan. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it looks like they're going to like clean up or not. They're going to like, you know, rip out some of the tabloid front headlines, but this is a ridiculous approach to a ridiculous story. Yeah. And I love it because yeah, like you, you see in the film allegedly, um, or what was supposed to happen is they hired a hitman <laughs> to take out the knees of one of her <laughs> opponents. So, uh, you know, however this goes, I, I do think you're right. I think we could get best support, best actress and best supporting actress yeah. out of this film. I really I hope do. So. I mean, I gotta see the movie first before I proclaim those sort of things, right. but it looks like it has all the qualifications to do so. Mm-hmm. And another movie that could get some Oscar noms, Lion King. Yeah. Cause this movie has a cast. I mean, it's uh, it's ridiculous. Disney finally confirmed the full cast, and if you've listened to this show throughout the last year, you've heard pretty much all the cast announcements. You know, whether yeah. it's um, Donald Glover as Simba, James Earl Jones back as Mufasa, uh, Chiwetel for as Scar. Uh, who else was there? Seth Rogen to be Eichner, and mm-hmm. um, what's the uh, late night host? John Oliver is John Zuzu Oliver, Zazu. Uh, Zazu. Yes. Um, but then we finally got confirmation this week after months of rumors. That Beyonce yes, is confirmed as Nala. Queen. There's no, there's no word on if she's doing the soundtrack that has been rumored, but I would assume oh. that's was prolonged the uh, discussions for her to join. And then, but we also got new casting additions: Eric Andre, Florence Kasumba, and Keegan Michael Key as the hyenas. Yeah, uh, which I think, I think, great choices. <laughs> Especially, I mean, when you can, when you picture, um, what's his Luther, the um, anger translator for president obama the skit that he does he did on uh, oh, yeah, his yeah. show yeah. i'm imagining that kind of guy only in a hyena it, 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 it's gonna be great but yeah beyonce and then if the soundtrack happens which i know it, it it's gotta to. be why else why would you get glover and beyonce yeah. i mean well they're what if they do a collab they do it together oh yeah they have to i mean well i mean like 
I th- like not not just like sing some of the songs, but like what if they produce the soundtrack together? Oh yeah, I would hope so. Or That'd at least cool. you know have a couple tracks under you know their own guy. You know under- yeah, and like I'm sure because like you mentioned, you don't get Beyonce and Childish Gambino and not have them add something. Yeah, like I'm sure. Exactly. You know, Donald Glover's going to, maybe he'll do like a Lion King rap. That'd be pretty cool. And then there's Jay-Z. I mean, Jay-Z's like right there too. Like, why would you not like (laughs) to say, hey, hey, uh, what's, I don't know what that guy's, what's his nickname? I always forget it, but. Jay-Z, I don't know. Me neither. It's like, whatever. Anyway, (laughs) but yeah, like, dude, we've, yeah, we've like, we've followed this film ever since we like, we're just blown away by the Jungle Book remake that Favreau did. And it is one year now. Now it's two. Oh, it's in 2019? It's 2019. That is bogus. I know. I cannot wait, It's though. a bummer. It's very cool. But I'm sure it's because the visual effects for this movie, since it's literally all mm-hmm. CG, it's weird it's, it's weird why it's weird to call this a live-action remake, because it's, it's, it's a CG creation, yeah. the whole thing. So uh, I'm just hoping that once we start getting something, that the first trailer is the opening recreation that they showed at D23, released fully and in complete visual effects because that's all you everybody's need. been blown away by it and you don't need to sell me on what's going to be new about the movie there's obviously right. going to be new stuff because lion king's like an hour and a half long mm-hmm. and if this is going through all this trouble they're going to want like a two-hour movie like you know they're going to add quite a bit of material and songs and all that stuff like they do with beauty and the yeah. beast but i don't need to see any of that stuff in the marketing show me why i already love lion king and why i should be coming back again right you know i I would wonder. I mean, I'm not sure what the storyboard is because it's expensive to get this stuff created. Right. So, yeah, we'll, we will see. Because, I, I mean, I could see them doing, like you said, I could, I could see them doing 145. Right. But, I mean, there's going to be changes. There's going to be additions. I mean, Jungle Book is not as regarded or as highly regarded as Lion King in terms of how much people love it. But sure. They, I mean, John Favreau made quite a few changes to that, added on to it, and... Why else would John Favreau do Lion King if he couldn't make some additions and add for more of his flavor? To yeah, it? the only thing I'm thinking is it is all CG, like you said this time. We don't have Mogui to, you know, add yeah. in. So I'm, be, I, I'm just excited. Oh and yeah. However they, end, however they end up doing it, I'm pretty sure it's going to yeah, be phenomenal. I mean, I'm going to be the opening day, uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got this. It's got Avengers four. It's going to have Star Wars nine. It will. Yeah. Wonder Woman 2. That's right. And our next movie, Shazam. Bam. Uh, it's going to be a packed year. But we got some more cast news on Shazam this week. Uh, courtesy of The Wrap, which revealed that Mark Strong is in talks to play the villain Dr. Savannah. And then Variety reported that Annabelle Creation star Grace Fulton has joined as well. And that she'll be playing a friend to Billy Batson. Uh, I'll admit, I've not seen Annabelle Creation. I have no history with Grace Fulton. I don't know who she is. Same here. But Mark Strong. We do like Mark Strong, don't we? Best, I mean, he's the best part of Kingsman the Golden Circle. Yep. And to see him join this uh, mm-hmm. is is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it looks like I've seen like kind of some kind of mock-up drawings of the mm-hmm. cartoon character or the comic character he's supposed yeah. to be playing. Mark, like is, Mark is going to have – I hope Mark has fun with it because oh, yeah. that character looks so zany. And I'm, I would like to see a Mark Strong like that. Mm-hmm. Well, like I, th- I believe I – don't, I, mean, I don't know much about Dr. Savannah, but from what I've – read and heard he has he's like he's a doctor that stumbles across something because he's like trying to save his family from some sort of harm mm-hmm. but then in doing so he also finds the tomb of black adam ah. during the rock johnson is that going to be like a 
the end of the movie post credit thing. And that's when we get the introduction to Dwayne, the rock Johnson, or is Mark strong going to be the main villain for the first two acts. And then we get black Adam for the end, big fight. I can see either one of those scenarios playing out. Cause I mean, why else include a guy like that who has ties to black Adam? If you're not going to use him in some way to introduce him either in the movie for an actual role or yeah. to set up his movie that he's getting. Definitely sounds like a setup to me, but we'll, we'll see. Absolutely. But uh, next year, we'll also be seeing Avengers 3, which will be the 19th MCU movie. And we've got some interesting details about the movie this week, courtesy of Anthony Russo, one of the co-directors. He told CNET, uh, he kind of described what we can expect as moviegoers and how they're trying to keep the movie fresh. And he said, quote, with Infinity War, the biggest new element to the movie is Thanos and the fact uh, that he's entering the storytelling in a very bold, strong way to the degree that he's almost one of the leads. We've shaped an interesting narrative around him in some ways, leaning heavily on heist films and the fact that he's going after Infinity Stones in a much bolder, successful way than he's had in the past. The entire movie has that energy of the bad guy being one step ahead of the heroes. We looked at a lot of movies that had the high style energy to them, and that brought some inspiration. Ooh. I like these quotes quite a bit because it finally, it, I mean, it, it confirms what we've all been suspecting for a long time that Thanos isn't going to be just sitting on the back burners for this movie. Right. He's going to be front and center. And if he is going to be a step ahead of the heroes the whole time, I mean, that's just going to add to the anxiety from moviegoers who are seeing the most beloved characters in the MCU trying to fend off the guy who is collecting the most powerful objects in the universe and only becoming more and more powerful. Like I love the idea that Thanos is going to be treated almost as the lead and that it's a heist movie element. But if you know, in like oceans 11 and stuff, we're seeing the heists from the good guys perspective. Yeah. How many, how often have you seen a heist film where the bad guy is the one pulling off the heist from the good guy? I can't really think of, any and i i really love that kind of switch to to try to do something different and give thanos something important to do and integral to the story so that way it's not like oh well now we're just waiting for the heroes to somehow come across thanos like no thanos is on the attack he is going and he's like all right my time has come i'm going to do it myself i'm going to go gather these infinity stones yeah and i'm going to take out the avengers yeah Um, i'm i'm thinking like heat with Robert okay. De Niro. That is my, that's kind of like been the thing that I've been churning over mm-hmm. in my head. The bad guys are who we're following. Yeah. We don't necessarily like them, but they're, they're front and center for us. We're going to hate them and we're going to watch them rip apart our heroes. Right. I think like, you know, and then probably culminates in whatever those descriptions are of that infinity trailer of yeah. Thanos. I mean, is this point? Hurling moons. Yeah, yeah. Hurling Ooh. moons down at them when they go to confront him. And then that's, that's our ending after we've watched them getting beaten down left and right with the black order with, mm-hmm. you know, them like rolling up to infinity head or Avenger HQ, right. just blowing the place, leaving what's his name? Pink guy with the stone Pink in vision? the head vision, vision, <laughs> vision, Pink like guy. for dead. And we're just like, ah, oh, no, what, what, what could be worse? Oh, a moon just got pulled down on Tony Stark and Spider-Man. And <laughs> right. that's the end of the film. We don't even know if they made it out. Okay. Exactly. Core. And then, you know, there's Korg's head lying somewhere. <laughs> Uh, it, early in the film, we just—I think we just talked we, we about talk how about we it. feel about the that the thing, ending oh, moment. Uh, but that's that's what my gut is telling me. I don't know. The thing is, he is—he is a rock formation. So could he, the rocks come back together and reform him in some capacity, see, or is it like 
this is a Groot thing where like the one rock can sprout off and become mm. a, a combination kind of more of a rocks. Groot like thing. Yeah. Huh. Or is he just like once Are all, all the, the rocks, rocks gone? There's like because he's gone. It is canon that rocks fall off Korg. Yes, that is canon. So, but he doesn't seem too concerned about it. So no, I don't know. We have interesting canon questions to address. We'll have and, to write Taiko about that yeah, and right. have some questions answered about Korg's uh, Korg's race. <laughs> yeah, how, how he's how he, his DNA and everything. But yeah, like you I mean, like like I mean, I agree a thousand percent with everything that you just laid out there. Um, the Avengers are gonna get their butts kicked. And like they have to. staying one step ahead. I love that. Um, like as like you know, like a like a detective trying to hunt down a serial mm-hmm. killer, uh, and only this time Thanos is gonna get the Infinity Gauntlet piece together and. Yep. There is going to be no closure at the end of this film. It'll probably be like one of the darkest months. Um, I hope, man. Hopefully, I mean, you know, with some, with I don't, some cheeriness. Yeah, not hopefully because like, oh, yeah, I need that dark, gritty stuff. Right. I don't like, need grit. Not I need, dark in tone, but not in style. Right. Grit and is like, style. Tone is just right. how it's played out. Yes, because we've been waiting for Thanos for years. Mm-hmm. And they've been very slowly teasing his arrival. And you have to make it worthwhile for all this weight, all this Absolutely. build up. And if you're going to make him... You know, the main character make him, you know, live up to that threat, then this seems like a great way to do it. And, you know, we were t- especially when we were talking about his motivations in the Thor Ragnarok uh, mm-hmm. review, especially if, like, he shows up with Thor, you know, in the early part of uh, the film, like, hey, Thor, what happened to my girlfriend? Or my, you know, quote unquote yeah. girlfriend, <laughs> yeah, like the yeah. woman he. And you realize that, oh, yeah, she got destroyed with Ragnarok. Right. That's that, that's you know that'll set him off and let's yeah. see let's we got Brolin acting as him so let's let's so, let the man do yeah, his let's work. give him some material, um, but we also you know there's been another story moving away from superheroes that we've covered a lot that'd be Han Solo outside of probably like Justice League and Batman this movie has had a production that's been as interesting to follow <laughs> yeah. as anything we've covered on the podcast um, and this week we got more news about the reshoots and actually what happened in them uh this is not official or any by any means but this comes from star wars newsnet's podcast resistance broadcast and uh, in the episode they revealed some information about what the process has been like since howard took over as director on solo a star wars story and according to their source howard reshot quote nearly all uh, that was their description of the movie and for what they reported to be twice the budget so I want to get your thoughts on this because, you know, when we talked about Solo a couple weeks ago, you were like, oh, this should be a lower budget movie. But they kind of said that they expected this movie to have a similar budget to Rogue One, which I believe is like 150 or something. Yeah. And that's initially. So if this is, you know, if this is true, and I personally, I trust Star Wars Newsnet. They're very uh, on the money Star Wars website and it seems like they have plenty of connections. And, you know, if that's true, then this thing could have a budget of, three hundred million dollars and at that point when you don't even put in marketing or anything that is uh that's going to be a difficult one to turn a profit on uh, that's why i think it's bogus okay but like you said i i do think that whatever the rumors are I, i'm sure there's some kind of credibility to them but how do you double a budget on a film after you've already made so much progress with it that I mean, listen. I know you have to pay cast and crew for overtime, and you know the, the shoot being extended two months. But uh, more than that, a good mu- a good part of that budget too is building sets sure. and signing people to for contracts and stipends and things like that. Payments. Doubling a budget? Come on. 
Like, I, ha- I don't know. Uh, but the do you what do you believe the part that he reshot nearly all the movies? Yes, I okay. do because they wanted Lord and Miller's name off the film, mm-hmm. and the only way to do that is to be able to scrap right everything that they were directors for, mm-hmm. and then film with. But then doubling the budget, no, because that, that doesn't make any sense. Just even in terms of. Um, how you, I mean, finance these things like props and sets and all that stuff. Yeah. Build up a good chunk of it. And I'm sure there were fr- scenes done with CG that were set in stone, already paid for and bought for, that were expensive and done. Yeah, twice the budget. Come on. I, I don't I don't believe that. I, I mean, maybe exactly twice the budget isn't on the money. Even and that this will, it. But I Man. think, you know, if this movie had a 120 to 150 budget initially, mm-hmm. if okay. this movie comes out with, you know, at the end of the day, a budget of two twenty five, that's that's nearly double. That's still and wild. that that's in that's in the realm of what yeah. Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Star Wars: Last Jedi. Those have reported budgets of around that same. They're a little more mm-hmm. um, because of the expansive nature of it all. But yeah. you know, at the same time, I mean, how much is Ron Howard getting paid? You know, if he came back, I mean, he's not his price tag alone is going to double the budget, but it's going to add. I mean, he's you still you still have to pay Phil Lord and Chris Miller for what they did. Um, and I do believe that he probably, he, I believe he reshot the entire movie, not just nearly all of it. I believe he reshot the entire thing. Reshoot, the reshooting period went on for four months. That's the typical time span of an entire movie for most blockbusters. So if, I mean, they had to make casting changes I and mean, we know about the Paul Bettany replacing Michael K. Williams one, but is that the only one? I mean, what other stuff did they change? I mean, in post, I mean, because if they assembled some sort of cut of what Filler and Chris Miller did, and you know, maybe they didn't stick to the plan very well, mm-hmm. but they were still seeing the general story beats that they planned, like you know, maybe yeah. this isn't working. They could have made they could have made big changes, and you know, decided okay, well, we got to scrap going to this planet. Let's go to Karelia instead, or let's go to right. Naboo instead. Let's just go to wherever instead Ooh. of this. Like let, let's let's change things up because. What we intended, that was for the Phil Lord Chris Miller version. And this is Ron and this Howard. This is the Ron Howard version. You know and what? So that's you, a good you could have thing. To, you could have to yeah. change things drastically because if it was supposed to be this epic six year span of Han Solo going across the galaxy and going to different planets and trying to, and becoming the scavenger and, and mm-hmm. everything that, and the, uh, the smuggler that we know him to be, but in some sort of jokey cross the galaxy world way. That's the Phil Lord Chris Miller route, but then Han- Ron Howard's gonna come and be like, you know, that doesn't really fit me. And Lucasfilm, I don't think would be like, but we need you to stick to this because right. this was our initial plan. Yeah, they're more concerned about getting the movie right than they are how much money they have to spend. And you know, I think that is a very good thing to say. I think uh, that's why I don't believe that it will be a three hundred million dollar budget because that is just subs- that is substantial. That is incredible. That put it up there with like the likes of an Avatar movie. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's going to be well over two hundred million dollars, especially like yeah. All told, you know what that is? I mean. I actually want to retract a little bit of what I said okay. there. If Cadston and script crew decided to totally change their script, change the tone, I mean, uh, and everything like that, and add new scenes mm-hmm. that required new expenses, and they actually decided instead of going a comedy route, going a heist route if you right. will they just they go dramatic because we saw i mean we did see howard working with darth vader or allegedly working yeah, with darth potentially. vader potentially um as so far as rumors go with imperial stormtroopers all that stuff um 
okay, maybe they're going the Rogue One route, and we're just going to have a Star Wars story with Han Solo in it at mm-hmm. the center. And that changed a lot of stuff. Yeah. There I could see the budget blowing up. Okay. Especially. But, I mean, yeah. What, so, do, you th- what do you think about oh, the, the potential then? What a wild story. This... Because, I mean, initially when we got the news that Ron Howard's taking over, mm-hmm. it's a lot of – there were conflicting reports, but a lot of it was that he was going there to finish what Chris Lord and Phil Murdo had started. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like in the Kylo Ren line and being right. like, I'm going to finish what you started, yeah, grandfather. Yeah. It's Ron Howard taking over. But if this is a Ron Howard movie, I, I, as I truly believe it is, I think this is going to have no – semblance it's not going to feel it's not going to look anything like a filler chris miller star wars movie it's going to look and feel like a ron howard movie and i think we need to shift our expectations to make that the movie that we need to look forward to because maybe we're not going to get that lando han buddy movie we some of us maybe were expecting maybe it's just going to be like you said it's just going to be a han solo movie and it's going to be we'll get some of those other people sporadically across the movie but Mm -hmm. it's going to be his story first and foremost and you know, is that a Han Solo movie we're interested in? Yeah, I, I'm, I am definitely looking forward to the press junket for this film, yeah. and I am looking forward to what Donald Glover will have to say, because I mean, or or what he will not say or yeah. not answer, depending. On, I mean, the, the, the dude, the dude gives it straight all the time, but he's also not going to ruin his relationship with Disney. Of course not. So what he says and avoids saying will I mean I think will tell us a lot cuz right. it's the unavoidable question, but it's also one that you can easily prepare for. I mean, if, oh, if yeah, you're Disney too. PR ahead sure. of that promotional campaign, you're telling all your cast members, "Listen, you're going to get asked about Phil and Chris Miller. What are you going to say?" Oh, they were stand-up guys, you know, we really loved working with them. They had a great vision, but it just it just wasn't working. But then Ron Howard came in, and he was he was just such a such a a pleasure to work with, and I think yeah. he really made a great movie. And I'm looking forward to all you guys seeing it. Yeah, oh. that's what they're gonna say. Yeah, but they'll also the the journalists are persistent, and they're gonna say, well, what was the first film going to look like? And what they say there, I think, after we see the finished product, will be will will help us at least gauge what this potential doubling of the budget is. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever get that answer though. We will. Of, Oh yeah. What it was. I mean, maybe we'll get it through unofficial reports, but I don't think Donald Glover or Alden Ehrenreich or what. Maybe Woody Harrelson because well, he's, he's a loose cannon. Um, yeah. He, but like you know, those guys are like Amelia Clark aren't going to be like, okay, well here, you know, the tone was totally different. It was all this. You know, they're going to be like, well, you know, we were going for something different. Yeah. But this is the movie we made. Now we're really excited about our new vision. For I mean, it. Gareth Edwards was really open about how his movie changed. Yeah, but and, he also stayed on. Right. But he was, I mean, he's still like, oh, we, we retooled the entire ending. So we can still get glimpses right. that will give us a picture of But I don't think we would have is. got a lot of that info if it wasn't for the marketing already showing snippets of how that third act was going to play out initially. Yeah. If they, if they hadn't, if, you know, if we were in a similar situation and we hadn't seen a Rogue One trailer, we wouldn't be getting all those, all right, here's Jyn Erso and the team running sure. on the beach as a scarif and then being like, that's never happened in the movie. Like they clearly have the plans there mm-hmm. in that shot, but yeah. that that's not how the movie plays out. We don't have to, you know, those directors don't have to ha- have those questions asked them of, wait, how come this scene changed to this scene? It's like, well, sure. since you guys know they changed in these degrees, we can explain to you, but yeah. they're not going to detail. All right, well, here's how the movie is going to play won't. out yeah. with Lord and Miller. And here's how it's completely different with Howard. We won't get the official script release, <laughs> exactly. but yeah. I, I wouldn't, 
I mean, dodging the question is a bigger problem than not answering it. So sure. they'll have they'll have their they'll have notes about what they can say, and I'm yeah. sure you know someone will say, oh, uh, you know, here this was the way it was going, this was mm-hmm. how it was going to feel, but they decided best to go this way. Yeah, um, but that's not the only Star Wars movie we're getting. You know, right? Not the end. It's the only one we get next year, but it's certainly not the end. We know we have Star Wars Nine coming out. We know we have an Obi Wan movie in development. And uh, Ka- Kathleen Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilm, sat down with the Star Wars show to talk about uh, what's what's been going on in her life recently in regards to building Star Wars. And she was asked about the story group and um, specifically, and she said, "Quote." We're sitting down now, we're talking about the next 10 years of Star Wars stories, and we're looking at narratively where that might go. Future stories beyond Episode Nine with these new characters, Ray, Poe, Finn, BB-8. But we're also looking at working with people that are interested in coming into the Star Wars world and taking us to places that we haven't been yet. And that's exciting, too, because it's a vast galaxy far, far away, so the possibilities are endless. So, it's important to note that this is not regarded to specifically the movies, so it's not, oh, we know for sure we're getting 10 more movies after yeah. nine. It's her saying we're working on all fronts to you know keep the Star Wars brand moving. But it also I means she mentioned specifically Ray Poe, Finn, and BBA as characters we're going to see beyond episode nine. Uh, I mean, do you think that this is, I mean, this is clearly not surprising that we're going to get more movies. Right. But I find it very interesting that we don't hear Kylo mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's... Is that, is that just a slip of the brain, or is that a... She just mentioned the big three, the new cast, and, the yeah. central characters. Well, I mean, if, yeah, but she should, she could have also been like, you know, we're, we're future stories beyond episode nine with the new characters we're focusing on currently. Yeah. And left it at that instead of going into the specifics and then not mentioning Kylo. I'm not saying that's a foregone conclusion that he's a goner. Yeah. But... It certainly seems to confirm to me <laughs> that Ray Poe and Finn and BBA, unsurprisingly, are making it out of nine. Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean they're fan favorites. They were they're what they're the three people that they sold the Force Awakens on. Right. They're the merchandising juggernauts, which is yeah, which is why you they will not. They, I mean, listen, I'll say it right now. All three of these people are going to make it out of the film alive yeah. because if you kill anybody their toys aren't going to sell very well sure <laughs> who wants to buy a bb-8 backpack when you know that he got fried and <laughs> but also i mean if you know if they weren't going to do episode 10 for 15 years or whatever if they were going to wait a long time to do another episode or do a story that features one of these characters and they could kill them off and not have to worry about it very often very much because yeah they're doing anthologies or they're launching a knights of the old republic trilogy or whatever they're not focusing on these characters, so it doesn't really matter if their toys not selling because they have toys for different movies. Oh, so you're saying it leans into the idea that we're going to be we're definitely seeing these people in new films down the road. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't know if that means in the next ten years, um, but I think, I mean, I think we're getting another episode, quote unquote, in the next you know five years after nine. I don't think they're going to wait terribly long before they yeah. bring back Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if Luke is still around, you, you mean, whatever. I mean, they're not going to let the Star Wars brand, you know, you know, dwindle down to where it's not a billion dollars anymore because they pushed aside their cash cow. Like they're going to, they're going to keep it pumping. Yeah. I mean, like we, I think we've, I think I've at least tried to drive our conversation once or twice into this where they're, despite my 
protest stations, they're going, is that a word? Probably <laughs> not. But this, even despite my protests, they're going to take the franchise and milk, you know, every every dollar from yeah. it because as they should even yeah. it's, oh even that's what it's there for yeah you know that's what lucas I mean, that's what lucas did with stuff mm-hmm. the first original trilogy that's why six changed so drastically um so you know of course we're gonna be sick of episodes you know eventually very soon i mean like we'll have really? episode we'll have episode 12 before 2030 i mean no doubt like, yeah. you know, uh, there'll be 12 Star Wars episodes before we're completely finished sure. with 2030. Um, and yeah, I mean, it makes sense that if you're going to introduce three people who are very young, all mm-hmm. lower, like, what, 20 years old, they are not uh, going to let their careers and their popularity, you know, fly by. Right. Uh, I think, I think, uh, I think Oscar, Oscar Isaac maybe like, is 30. I think he, he yeah closing in on forty for sure. Closing in on forty. Yeah, I think so. I think he's like late thirties, really? which yeah blew me away when I yeah I read that too. Um, Young looking guy, but I mean yeah I mean I don't yeah again this isn't surprising but I mean is is I I mean I kind of took this in one direction. Is this where when you read the quote this initially took you in terms of all right well I know I got Ray Finn Poe and BB Eight locked down for future movies or did you did you think about it in some other aspect? That I I saw that, but then also I kind of honed in on um, with working with people that are interested in coming into the Star Wars world and taking us to places that we haven't been yet. Yes, that I if Star Wars is going to bleed me dry, uh, if they're going to bleed you know the the universe dry, I would like to see them do that outside of the episodes, yeah. but or do episodes, but do it with a new series. Sure. Get me out of the Skywalker canon. Oh, yeah. Get me into so something. I think is what we're going towards. Yeah, and I really hope that's the case because once Hamill is gone, um, and if Ray turns out not to be a Skywalker or however this all shakes out in the end, um, I would rather, wa- I, I want to follow Star Wars stories that make the universe bigger, mm-hmm. not more coincidental yeah. or Let's get away from like you know oh it's fates type right. of a deal that all these people showed up. No, let's 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 reestablish something new mm-hmm. um, for the next generation of fans. Yeah. No, I, I mean I totally agree. I think the other thing that that I really loved was just the fact that they're talking about this already. Yeah, I mean I've talked about it many times that I don't love the idea that you know when they after seven or as they were doing seven they didn't have a plan locked down for eight and nine. I get that it allows creative freedom and all that stuff, but I don't love the idea that Lucasfilm just like, yeah, we're going to make three movies. What they're going to be about, we have no idea. But if they're planning out 10 years in all forms of media, in, in, even if it's in the broadest of terms of yeah. where do we want Star Wars to be in the next 10 years? Okay, well, we want to have a live action series. We want to have something on streaming. We want to have... Um, you know, more comics. We want to be into these ideas of what the Star Wars universe can mean and what the Force can do, and we want to go into these different places. If they at least have those broad strokes lined out, and then they can hone in on, all right, well, what do we want to be on the movie side? Mm-hmm. You know, the comics are where all the hardcore people are going to go, and the books and all that stuff was where people who really, really, really want to know about the ins and outs of the Force and yeah. what happened to, you know. 
how uh, Quinlan Voss. What happened to him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you can go read a comic and find out. But the average moviegoer, you know, like when, you know, if I go see Star Wars Day with my dad, he's not gonna be like, oh, was that this person? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not gonna care. And I think if they can figure out where they want these the main stories to go, because even though I, I agree with you that the Skywalker saga will end, they've already kind of ditched the episodes in a sense where they don't brand episode they don't brand the last jedi as star wars episode eight the last jedi it's just Mm -hmm. star wars the last jedi yeah and i mean they're still branded as star wars episode nine until they reveal a title for it and i'm sure they would do the same for star wars episode 10 but it's not it doesn't have to be a you know a continuation of this larger thing it's just here's the next star wars movie but it's not you know whatever a star wars story correct yeah and it is that's a really good thing to point out too though that the Star Wars epi- the episode naming of these films didn't actually you know come about until Episode One mm-hmm. when it became when he basically make sure he bi- retroactively numbered the films right. so you knew that these were prequels these were prequels and there is a Episode Three is this link yeah. to the past that was going to take place uh, but yeah and you know, also it is important to know that she mentions Star Wars stories. Um, mm-hmm. Which can be any form of media. Exactly. We weren't closed in on film. These could sprout up in comics, like you said, live action series, which is something I really think that they need to get into because yeah. who, who wouldn't love to see Brian Cranston play some Star Wars character <laughs> for five seasons? You know, I mean, and who, who wouldn't want to see a live action Star Wars, some sort of content on a weekly basis half the year? Yeah, it would be terrific. Yeah. Especially, you know, like on a Game of Thrones budget. Oh, yeah. Or whatever the case is. Star Wars, I mean, Disney's going to have their own streaming service. Now, granted, I don't think we'll ever get anything rated R or, or NR. but Absolutely um, not. But You know, but something something PG-13, TV-14, whatever the case is. Yeah, I mean, why else launch a streaming service? Like, we've, I don't think, know if we've really talked about it here, but like, you know, if Disney's like, here's our streaming service, watch our entire library of movies, all you have to do is pay $12 a month. I'm going to be like... I already own all the Blu-rays, so yeah. if I really want to watch The Force Awakens, I'll just go pop it in. Mm-hmm. I don't need to pay, but if you're like, well, here, pay $8 a month, get selective libraries, but get a Star Wars you know, exclusive live-action series, Yep. then I'm in. You're, you know, ABC drops Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. They put that on there. Put it there. I mean, maybe, I don't know, I don't know all what the deal is with Netflix, yeah. how long Daredevil and all that stuff lasts, mm-hmm. but... You know, if you know Daredevil ever, if Daredevil ends after season three or whatever, but they, but Marvel still wants to continue it, put it on season, put it on season four on yeah. the streaming source. There's so many possibilities that, I mean, yeah, I think the live action thing's inevitable. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, what the future holds exactly for Star Wars, but I mean, it's just always reassuring to know that it's going to be around. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I mean, the the, the it sounds like a philosophical debate that they're mm-hmm. having in you know in the story room, which is what I at least would like to have happen before right. they, you know, <laughs> before they continue to churn these things out with mm-hmm. no goal in sight. And this is one of the things J.J. Abrams, you know, was upset about with his Star Trek reboot is they didn't want to do anything other than reboot Star Trek once. Yeah. And then he was super upset that they had no other plans for anything else, you know, to build the world other than Doom films. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice to see that... Th- Kathleen Kennedy is making sure Lucasfilm um, is taking good care of what they have, Mm -hmm. Uh, even despite, you know, my 
obvious distaste uh, <laughs> at the solo film right now. So, True. Yeah. Since right. you mentioned Abrams real quick before we get out of here. Yes. What do you think of the possibilities of him directing the pilot of the first live-action Star Wars movie? Do you think that could have been an extra draw for him to come in for nine? So they're like, hey, JJ, come do nine, but we're also developing this live-action thing, and we love to get, you know, be able to put the producer and creator of Lost as well as the director of episode seven and nine yeah. in front of this as mm. the pilot director. I don't think you would have to have told him he needs to do episode nine before he can do that. Sure. But I, I would, I would love the idea that he gets involved on that for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I would not be surprised, but that's all we have this week. Next week, Josh. What do we got? Murder on the Orient Express, directed by Kenneth Bronner of the Agatha Christie novel of the same name. Um, I spent this uh, early parts of this episode bashing his Thor film. Really, a little bit denting it, denting it, yeah, denting it ever it. so lightly, uh, keying it perhaps. But this looks like he was made for characters galore, mm-hmm. a cast that starts at Johnny Depp and Daisy Ridley finds itself with Leslie Odom Jr. Um, uh, everybody so many, else under the sun. So many. Willem Dafoe. We get to see... Uh, Josh Gad. Josh Gad in there. We get to see um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes, thank you. Um, uh, the uh, the great... Uh, uh, Just, uh, what's her name? Um, Judy Dench. Of course. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, there's tons of people. Yeah, so it, it's going to be wild. It looks like it's going to be fun, and it looks like it'll be contained, and... Artfully done. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking forward to. You? I'm, I'm looking forward to the mystery. Yeah. I just, I, you don't I was, know the story. I don't. I was just uh, rewatching Sherlock Holmes two, mm-hmm. uh, Game of Shadows. I believe yes. is the yep. subtitle there. That's that's a fun mystery thriller with you know obviously the hands of Guy Ritchie and Jude mm-hmm. Law and Rob Rob Dine Jr. But this one, it's 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 a legit mystery. I want to know who killed. What I presume to be Johnny Depp. Yep. It looks like he is the person that dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know who killed him. I want to know why. And I want there to be tons of misdirect, tons of surprises. Yeah. But then enough um, seeds planted where if I see it again, then I'll be like, oh, this, see this. So they set it up here, here, yeah, here. Yeah. I like it. I don't want it to just be like I out of left field. Here's who it is. And it's like, wait, this person? Like, this is like a term in the lexicon of like, you know, storytelling and, you know, how things kind of go about. Yeah. So I'm surprised that you don't. Yeah. Okay. No, nothing. Awesome. Never seen seen the first movie. Never read the book. I will be thrilled to talk to you about it next week. Absolutely. And uh, if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over iTunes and give us a five-star review. Mm -hmm. But obviously, if we're not five-star material, let us know, but let us know why. It doesn't help us to give us a one-star, two-star, three-star review. If you're just going to leave us that review and not tell us why we don't deserve your best. We want to know. We want to be the best. We want you to have the best time listening to us. And if you can give us reviews telling us what we do well, but also what we can improve on, that's something that helps us out tremendously as we, you know, close in on a hundred episodes and we move into our third year on the podcast, believe it or not. Uh, we would love to make this as uh, most accessible and best uh, and easy to listen to for you guys as possible. So any feedback you guys have is always welcomed, no matter if it's critical, um, but just don't make it mean. <laughs> Be yeah. nice about it. Constructive criticism <laughs> um, is the best. 
So that's all we have this week during our time away. Be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by us at Friends of Film. We still updates on the podcast, movies, and more. You can find personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, and just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our review of Murder on the Orient Express.